from the time that they pronounced me dead was a good 45 minutes. They cut my clothes and then they paddled my heart because my heart had stopped. And I could see people screaming and crying, but I didn't realize that was actually my physical body because I was somewhere else. The only thing that I could feel, if you could imagine absolute love and peace, there wasn't anything else to be felt. I was greeted by people I had known in the past. I'm back home again. Incredibly safe and felt at home. Welcome to Round Trip Death, everybody, and welcome to our very special guest today, Felice DiMartino. How are you? I am wonderful. Happy to be here. Thank you. Good. Felice is a barrel of energy. We are going to have fun today. And I'm going to tell you, for our listeners, you're going to find out what it's like as a pedestrian to get hit by a pickup truck that's going 30 miles an hour or so. So with that in mind of what's to come, would you mind just taking one minute and tell us a little bit about you so we can get to know you, Felice? Sure. So I am a mom. I have two adult daughters in their early 30s. I am a former Montessori educator in a Montessori school and consultant for training centers. And I have a loving, wonderful family that I am extremely, extremely grateful for. And all the ways that I identified myself in my before, before the experience has all shifted, right? It, it's been a really big identity reboot. Do you have any grandkids? I do not have grandkids yet. Get those girls going. Well, let me tell you, personally, not that it's up to me, I'm not ready. Like, I, I know, again, if I, it's not, it's not up to me, but I have a lot to do and be and express before I want to be a hands-on, full-on grandma. So there's that. You can do both. Don't worry about it. All right. I want to jump in and find out. Let, let's go back to this day, December 2nd, 2015. Correct. What was going on this day that led up to this horrific accident? Well, interesting you should ask, Eric, because leading up to this accident incident opportunity, um, I had just gone through a few years, about 18 months, a lot of things happen at once and the proverbial crap hit the fan all at one time. I call it resiliency boot camp, and it was a series of events partner had an affair, house fire, empty nester, accident. I was an avid skier, major surgery on my knee, theft of all my jewelry, not in this order, right? First came the theft of all my jewelry, everything I had owned, family heirlooms, except what I was wearing. So empty nest that, uh, then the house had a flood on the bottom once the top was gutted and had to be redone. Then the bottom had a flood. So all of this stuff happened. I took a leave of absence from work where I was teaching just as I had gotten on my feet again was when the incident happened. And prior to that, I, I, I had this call and I knew that if all the stuff that I had just gone through could be helpful, if I could use it in service for others to help in any way, it took some of the edge and the trauma off of what had just occurred. So I, I was interested in pursuing that track and I was also being called to either do that or 
expand upon what I was doing in Montessori education. And I was kind of frozen. I wasn't doing either one of those things. And then the universe gave me the big dope slap and literally knocked me off my feet um, with this truck. So were you in a crosswalk? How in the world did this happen? So I left work um, and I was walking to my car, which was parked off campus. And there's a light with a busy intersection that I had to cross. And I waited for the light to give me the right of way to cross. I had been a little distracted because I was engaging with someone that I knew was not in my best interest to be engaging with. And I, it was on the phone as I was walking to the crosswalk. So I put my phone away and I was still distracted thinking about it. And still though, I waited for the light to give me the right of way to cross. I, the cars had stopped and about three quarters of the way across the crosswalk, a big pickup truck came up from behind me and made a left-hand turn and struck the right side of my body about, like I said, three quarters of the way across. And what happened was she had sped up to avoid an oncoming car. So she kind of gunned it to make the left-hand turn and hit me going about 30 plus miles an hour. Sounds like she was focused on that other oncoming car. Exactly. Instead of her focus, yeah, being on you. Exactly. And, you know, it was dusk. It was kind of rainy out. And yeah, she didn't see me and hit me in the crosswalk. Okay. So your body went flying. Yes. My body went flying. Is there a point where you felt like you left your body? Yes. So what happened was I whipped my head around to the right. And this came to me after this, 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 this very viscerally, this memory, this visceral memory came up after about how I whipped my head to the right although time felt like it stopped. So that moment was elongated that I whipped my head to the right and I made eye contact very briefly with this pair of eyes that was in complete terror across the, the truck because it was to the top of my nose, right? Where my vision was uh, across the hood of the car. And I had a sense of falling and as that sense of falling was occurring, I was completely popped out of my body and I was looking down at the scene. And at that point I could see my body lying in the road, uh, motionless. And there was a sense of disorientation because I was fully existing at in awareness yet the, the, my body was laying on the ground. So I wasn't in the body and there was some disorientation until I got my bearing straight. And then there was a question about being, am I going to be able to go back there into that body? And there was a very strong pull and draw because of all that I had just gone through to come back, to be back in the body for my kids Right. I, I mean, having just gone through this resiliency boot camp, and I understood that I would be able to go back there. And what happened was I was so I was looking down at the scene. I could hear what was going on. I could feel uh, the people that were gathered around the woman who hit me and a few other bystanders. I could see in a 
a multi-directional view, the woman, a woman going to the cross street to stop traffic. So I had this bird's eye view of what was going on. And I also had a sense that I, it was this limitless space, yet there was like a spotlight was going on in this assessing period. Wow. Yeah. Did you feel like, I'm having a hard time putting this question together because I'm I'm envisioning this whole thing happening, right? And you are up in the sky looking down on the whole scene. Was there a point where you went someplace else? Yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. So it looked like my body was in one piece. From that vantage point, point there wasn't an awareness of what was going on internally in the body, which was a lot, multiple fractures, internal bleeding, organ swelling and damage, um, a cracked skull and brain, massive traumatic brain injury. There, I couldn't see the blood that was internally or coming from my skull. And as my body, it felt like uh, this, the, the physical form was slowly losing vitality, right? It was shutting down and these organs were slowly bleeding out. I was bleeding out from my pelvis and I had the experience in the state I was in of lifting higher and higher and higher above the scene. And that part of me that was existing was being more energized. So that's where all of the, I want to say life force, not life in a body, but that's where all of the energy was being infused to the state that I was existing as, as the body was shutting down. It's interesting that you felt, although it sounded like you felt sort of at the same time, Hey, I want to go back to that body. Did that last? Did that change? It wasn't even, I want to go back. It was, am I going to be able to go back? Okay. Much more of a question. Yes. Yes. It was much more of a question of, am I going to be able to go back there to that and exist in that form of the body? And I understood that I could go back. So that that comes up a little bit later, right before I came back after I experienced what I experienced. Yeah. It's just interesting, that connection. And your girls were what, teenagers then? Young teenagers? They were, no, they were both in college. So they were late teens, early 20s. Yeah. 18, early 20s. But you still felt like they needed you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You felt that connection. Yeah, that connection. And because I had been doing a lot of healing and they had gone through trauma, witnessing their mom going through trauma, right? Uh, from all that had just happened and really feeling that we were in this healing phase, right? Or me as a mom really wanting to show up more fully again. And I'll get to this, but but at the, what happened is before I came back into my body, there are different, I'm going to call them vibrational frequencies or dimensions or planes of existence that I experienced before I got to this point, when I was coming back into the body, there was a sense of urgency that, and I, again, I'll share about this with this presence that was other than my own, that was sharing with me. If I wanted to go back, I needed to get back. Like it was time. I had to get back because my body again was bleeding out. 
and there was a lot going on internally that it was time. I don't know what would have happened if I, if I had chosen, or if I didn't go back at that moment when the urgency built to, all right, if you're going back, you have to go back now. Okay. Well, go ahead and tell me what happened next as you can remember it. So it's very clear and very vivid. So there's not really, it's interesting. I, I don't feel like I have to remember it. It kind of lives inside of me as this experience. And as I was lifting higher and higher above my body, I found myself in this pure blackness and it was an illuminated blackness. I say blackness yet it was, it's like, we don't have words for these states or colors. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing it the best that I can, but it was blacker than black and it had a sense of being illuminated. And in this state, there was simply being, there was no worry, there was no fear, there was no separateness. I was simply part of the blackness. And I say I, and I indicates that there was a separateness, yet there wasn't a separateness. It was, it, it was simply being a part of this expansive beingness of this illuminated blackness. I do not understand what illuminated blackness means. I know it's, it's, it's like, it's, there's, there was a luminosity in the black. There was like, it was like a um, shining quality that shone from within it. Almost like, would it be kind of like black paint that it's really shiny, has a super glossy tone to it? Sure. Sure. That would be great. Yes. Maybe that's the only thing we can relate to here. Yes. So, yes. okay. Keep going. So I was simply in this space merged in with this blackness. It was simply being, it was like pure presence, pure, a pure state of being. And at some point there was a quality of a of a shift, I want to say there's a quality of a, it was still a blackness, yet it shifted a bit to have this quality where it felt like I was floating in a cocoon. And I was aware on the periphery that there were others like me floating in cocoons. And they were other than me, yet we were all had a quality that we shared. We were all made up of similar material. And in that state, there was an understanding that this was a waiting place of sorts. And as I was floating, there was no worry. There was no doubt. There was no fear. There was no again, it was a, it was a quality of simply being yet. There was an understanding that there was a waiting for something and an energy, what we call thought, I'm going to call it an energy packet started to come up from within that space of, well, if this is a waiting place, what am, what is the waiting for? Like, what are we waiting for? And as that built up, I was immediately met with what I was waiting for. 
And then I was in this place. And, and I say that that's the seed of the law of attraction, right? Because there's no density, there's no resistance, there's no the ego questioning, there's no fear about what it is we're waiting for. It's completely met. It's like the second you have a thought or this energy packet of thought culminates, you're instantly met with that, which it is that you were having the thought, the wondering about. Do you have any questions before I go on? Yeah, I do have one question. What do you make of the cocoon? I don't know that I've heard that that um, description from somebody before. Was it like a protective layer around you? Was it what was mobilizing you from one place to another? What do you think? It felt like it was, um, it almost feels like it was a membrane around me that was, I went from this sense of being fully in communion with everything in the blackness to being, having a sense of being um, a form that was, I don't wanna say individualized, yet that was distinct. So it, it kind of kept this distinction of, from, from me and then the others that were floating that I was aware of the periphery. I haven't really thought about it in, in those terms before or had that question, it's more of a sense. So practicing giving words to it is really helpful. Thank you for that question. And again, there was no, it was, it was, there was no fear. There was no worry. There was no doubting. It was all simply being. It's almost like when you're a newborn baby in a pure state. So I hope that answers the question. It's as well as you can, I can tell. Thank you. Okay, what happened next? So as that culminated, the wondering of what am I waiting for, I was immediately met with this presence, I'm going to say effulgence of pure light. And there was a form that was made up of the light, yet mm, wasn't necessarily distinct from it in terms of, oh, there was a person or a, it was, there was like a subtle shape, but it was made from the form. That's the only way I can give words, words to it. And I knew that this presence that was made up of the light was other than my own, yet I was being in communion with that presence who was there to share information for me, to show me things, to was there purely for me and with me. And in that state, that presence had neither, was neither male nor female, it has qualities, this, this, this energy being had qualities that we would attribute to both male and female. It was completely, like I said, completely there for me, with me to answer questions and to show me things. And it was as if I, and I, I use this analogy a lot because I find it's, it, it's the, maybe the most relatable. If you put your forehead to someone else's forehead and you understood and knew in an instant everything about that person, that soul, the soul's journey, the human experience, past, present, future about that person through the lens of the soul and the eternal part of them, all of this information was coming to me at work speed. And that's another thing, this, these states and these, these, this experience is timeless. There's no time as we know it, linear time on the human on the earth plane. And a lot of information was shared with me in that place about 
what I had been experienced on earth about these deep soul lessons and soul incarnations time after time. There's these core lessons that we learn through experiences. And, and I was shown again at light speed, all of this information. And do you remember most of this information or just remember that you knew it at the time? So there are definitely some things that I remember in that state. And when I came back, there are aha moments that, that connect in with what I was shown in that state. And there are things that there was a point where I, where I told myself in that state and this presence that I would remember everything that was shared with me. And upon coming back, there are things that I know that were shared in some distant memory, yet I, I, I don't have a firm grasp of every detail. And it's funny that you say that because lately I've been feeling like I want to go into uh, some hypnotherapy to remember because it was so profound. I want to remember all those details again. And I just don't, there are a lot of details that I do have a deep, that I walk with a deep understanding and knowing of experientially. And then there are things that I, that are so foggy. I just, I don't remember all the details. Must be a little frustrating. You know, it's interesting. I move into the, which what's with frustration is moving into trust and surrender, trust and surrender and all is well. So, so it's really helped me anchor into not being frustrated right? To remember that what I was shown had to do with acceptance, surrender, compassion, grace, non-judgment, all of those things that help one not be frustrated. Okay. When we spoke earlier, you had mentioned that you had a life review. Is this the point where that's coming? I don't want to jump too far ahead. No, that's okay. I, you know, my experience of a life review a life review in these states can look different for everyone, right? For me, it was understanding what was going on in my life at the time, what had led up to that, what the nuggets for my soul's evolution and growth were, and being able to feel and sense what others were going through in direct relation to my actions, right? Even the woman who hit me, at some point I felt this responsibility of, I'm sorry, please forgive me, right? Because she was in such trauma and horrified, right? So there's this, and not in a judgmental way, you know, when we leave and we're on the other side, it's not like there's some being who's gonna judge us. It's more that our soul and we get to review how we impacted others and how our lives and our circumstances are a direct result of the choices that we've made. So any sense of what we would say judgment comes from our own self in connection with a part of us that's in connection to that higher self. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the more that I learn about life reviews from talking to people about theirs, is it, yeah, it's not meant to be a judgment session. It's meant to be a learning session. Can you think of one thing that you learned from it? Yes, I learned, 
I learned that forgiveness. So I've heard, I heard three major things before I came back and in that state. And one of this is that I had the experience of all is truly well, and that there are pillars of all is truly well. And at the time that I got hit, I was engaging with this person who had had an affair, right? There was this betrayal. And I understood about the different layers and levels of forgiveness that he was just being who he was being in his own soul's learning and growth and evolution. And I was able to come back when I came back and have a deeper sense of compassion and recognize that, and I don't know if this is answering your question, that as souls, we're connected. We exist on multiple planes of existence, right? Some are through the felt senses and some are through senses that many people don't have access to because they haven't been cultivated. So on a soul level, you can be connected with someone and you can have compassion. I'm getting kind of off tangent, but you can have compassion and forgiveness and understanding and give them grace in their humanness. So I think I I was shown and understood about different deeper levels of forgiveness, including self-forgiveness and the ways that we're so hard on ourselves and hold ourselves to standards that are dictated by society and culture that we live in. Forgiveness is one of the toughest things for us to do in this life. Did you learn some kind of a secret of how we can more easily or more fully forgive others? Yeah. So what I was shown is that, you know, I was a person that, that, that walked around with not a lot of boundaries, right? I would see the essence of who someone truly is and treat a person as their potential rather than who they were being. And in turn, then we get physically, mentally, emotionally, we suffer. Forgiveness ties into expectations, the expectations we have of others and of ourselves. And what I was able to understand deeply is that, and it ties in with boundaries, is that you can acknowledge the essence of who someone truly is and pay attention to who they're being and have boundaries, especially when you're not safe in any one of those realms. Forgiveness it's like, if we can do that, we're then in less situations where forgiveness is number one, called up to be looked at. I was shown that forgiveness really is, it truly starts with oneself. For example, oftentimes we know what we know that we know that we know, and we don't pay attention to what we know. And then we move to situations and circumstances where maybe we feel like we have to forgive ourselves for not listening to that inner nudge and what we know. So, so the practice of, of listening to oneself and your body and your, your own indications creates less circumstances. It just, it creates more alignment with acceptance of self. I don't know if this this is making sense or if I'm getting off on tangents. There are layers to forgiveness. There are layers and levels to forgiveness. Giving ourselves clock time, you know, like there's a lot of things about forgiveness and and ho'oponopono, right? Forgiving oneself, forgiving others, asking for forgiveness. And to be gentle, it's, you know, our body has a clock time. And to not be hard on ourselves for going through the different stages and levels of forgiveness. Time 
does its thing, time, earth time, linear time, clock time for the body does its thing. And as time goes, the body is able to discharge and come into more of a neutral state where forgiveness is then possible because we're not as triggered. I know this is a long talk around. I hope this is making sense for people. Yeah, I wanted one sentence that would just wave a magic wand so I could go, okay, I want to forgive this one person. Darn, it doesn't it doesn't happen as easy as I want it to or as fast as I want to. I, I want to forgive this person today, but I have these hard feelings still that I have to get over. How about this? How is this for me? What is this showing me? What can I do with this? How can I grow from this? Asking yourself th those questions rather than allows us to open up to more of a space of forgiveness because everyone is our teacher. Relationships are our teacher. So when we can shift from a victim, which often goes hand in hand with forgiveness, right? Because if you're feeling like a victim at the hands of someone else, then there's a, re a, a reason is created to forgive that person. Um, so I feel like it's clock time for the body and it's also moving from a victim mindset. Like this was done to me. And I'm not saying whether you believe things are done to you or for you, I'm not getting to that. What I'm saying is we have a choice to say, how is this for me? And then we can move more easily into forgiveness. Is that helpful? Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm a huge believer in it. Like yeah. forgive as fast as I can. That's why I just wish I were even better at it. Something I've tried to cultivate and develop over the years, but this is about you. Let's keep going with your experience. And I realize this may not be a completely linear thing. So when I say, tell me what happened next, tell me, tell me what else happened. So I was in this state, all of this information was being uploaded, downloaded. I understood the nature of the ego mind, the nature of being human, what was going on in my life at the time, pers on a personal level, and also how it is to be an embodied expression on the for all humans of, of the love, of that source energy, of being in alignment with the voice of our soul. So, so what was shared with me was related to my path in particular and in general about the humans and humaning, as I'll call it, and being incarnate in a body. And at some point, there was an urgency to get back into the body. There was an urgency of, if you're going back, you have to go back now. And that urgency started to build one of the last things that I heard was when you go back, it's time to live big. I heard it loud as and clear as we're talking now, when you go back, it's time to live big. And I knew in all different ways what that meant. It's time to live big. And I said to this, this presence right before I started to have this sense of descending down, who are you? And I heard, I am you. And then I was left with me. <laughs> I was left with mm, the sense of me starting to incarnate again into this body face to face with that I am presence, that soul spark of divinity that is also me. And there was a sense of descending into the body. I also, at 
some point around this time heard and could see as I got lower and lower, there were EMTs over me and they were talking and I saw my mouth moving, but I wasn't there. I was witnessing and hearing with senses that are others than the sight and hearing. They're like amplified senses. And I felt this sense of being uh, squeezed. It's like I was existing as this expanse. And also I was like a genie being squeezed into a bottle. And there was this density and this weightedness at the same time as I would, it's like I was existing in both places. I was out of my body, completely expansive, aware of, oh, there are sirens. Oh, like, oh, that's for me. That's for me as that body. But I was existing as a me outside of my body. And this also this sense of being squeezed in. And I heard yelping sounds from the physical form. The next thing is that I was in an ambulance and I was above looking. I was on the top, on the ceiling of the ambulance, looking down. I could see there was an EMT at my head, hold squeezing my head together because there was a profuse amount of blood. And there was, they were doing what, whatever EMTs do in the ambulance, right? And there was someone talking to me and I was popping in and out and also existing in both places at one time. Mm-hmm. You, you were half dead, half alive, basically. Yeah. And, and again, I couldn't see what was happening internally. So when I came in to fully back online, I won't say online, but I was still existing outside for so long. I was in a trauma unit. They took me to a a further hospital because it had a level one trauma unit and there was organized chaos going on around me. There was one nurse that I remember was had an energy had this very soft warm motherly nourishing nurturing energy otherwise they were like it it was frantic right here comes this woman who's been hit by this truck so that's what happened that's it is there anything that you left out while you felt like you were out of your body was there anything else that happened or that was communicated to you or that you saw i was able to see understand feel no with a capital K no in a multi-sensory, multi-understanding way that all fit together. All of the information that was being imparted, all of what it's time to live big meant, all of what my soul was experiencing again on earth and what there was to learn from that. It was all done like it's like when you take a Rubik's cube and you see all the different squares on the Rubik's cube, right? It's like it was seen from senses and felt and understood and activated and from senses that we don't have names for even beyond the, all the clairs, right? Clairvoyant, all of those. It was like senses and colors and planes that we just don't have words for. So yeah, and my, and the biggest thing is, for me is coming back is really integrating. I've really learned a lot about actually being embodied and grounded on the earth in a body 
And our bodies are these amazing tools of information and we have wisdom encoded in our bodies and that we don't need to have a near death experience to access expanded states of awareness, to access deep soul rememberings and deep soul knowings that children are born with children come into it until they grow up and things happen, right? It's like, we can return to that state. And do you feel like that is us remembering what things were like before we came here to earth and were born or is some of that genetics from our ancestors that is passed down? What, which do you think that is? Both, both. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, both. And, you know, in ancient times, I, when I came back, there was a lot of, yes, my body had to heal because there was a lot of trauma. I had to walk, learn to walk again and talk again. And I was in rehab and I had visiting nurses. There was a lot going on. And I felt so blessed by this experience. And I had a very hard time knowing where my body began and where other, where other energy began. It was like walking as this just big energy field. So I took a lot of trainings and courses and certifications to be able to harness all of this energy. Like, what do we do? What do I do with this? Right. How can I use it of service? And service is huge. When I was told all is truly well, there were the pillars of all is truly well that I was shown, which are gratitude, faith, surrender, compassion, service, love. I'm sure there's more. I was shown a lot about intention. So there's a lot of different things that we didn't get to talk about because I went on and on about forgiveness. Well, we'll come back to some of this. I, I have one more question about the NDE itself, because you talked a lot about this being, and and I believe your words were that you, you learned that the being was you. Is that exactly what it was, or was the being separate, but you were learning from the being? There was a There was a presence that was other than my own, yet that when we merge, we could merge together for this presence to share information with me. And I came back and I said, who are you? And this presence said, I am you. And then I was left almost looking at myself. It's a part of, and we all have this. It's a part of my higher self, that eternal place within that is in communion with the great eternal source. So it was that, is that more clear? It was like the spark of divine. It was, it was a spark of the divine, right? And that we are all co-creators. This presence was showing me how our intentions, how our co-creations we are all have this ability to be co-creators. And this presence was at a vibrational frequency that some may call the angelic realm. Some may call, for me, it was a very pure crystalline mm, diamond, like this pure, 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 pure light energy. So this presence existed at a vibrational frequency that also exists within me. It exists within all of us. Yeah. We're all connected yet. This presence, as you call it, you've called it a being and a presence and a couple other things. I'm just trying to figure this out just a little bit more. 
A lot of people use the term guide or spirit guide. Did you feel like this presence was a guide for you? Yes. I don't, you know, it's funny. Like it, when I say, what is your name? I mean, I've heard, I've been in communion and in communication with these realms of light and there's these frequencies and the name isn't as important as the essence and as the, the frequency itself. So some people would call it an angel. Some people would give it the name, a, you know, a light being. Some people, it was a very high presence and it was very familiar to me. It knew me and I knew it. Okay. Let's talk about what's going on now for just a minute before we move on about what's going on with your body down here, laying in the street, paramedics come. We already heard about the ambulance a little bit. Do you have an idea of, do you know if your heart actually stopped? Not that that would make this any less real. I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't, I didn't have paddles on my heart. What I was able to see, understand, know, feel is that the physical organism was shutting down and it's, and I've used this analogy, it's like a tea kettle, right? When you have a tea kettle and you put it on and the water starts to evaporate, it's like the water was the body starting to evaporate and the steam was starting to rise as the body was starting to shut down. Like the steam being the state I was existing in. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and if you didn't get back in this certain amount of time, it was just going to be too late. Your body would be too far gone. Yes. There was a sense of you need to get back. Like it, it's, if we're, if you're going back, you're going back, you have to go back now if you want to go back. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get back to where we were things that you were learning from all of this. Let's, let's talk about some more of those. You mentioned all is truly well. And some of those things, how about living big? Yes. You said you knew exactly what that meant. I don't know what it meant for you. What did it mean for you? So I was not living at the, in that moment. It's like when we play small out of fear, out of excuses, out of our ego's drive to keep us safe and comfortable. I was having these deep inner soul nudges and callings, yet I wasn't doing any of them. I wasn't listening. So, you know, living big it, it could be, yes, it could be you go on, you, you have this big dream and you go for it. It could also mean your soul is calling you to eat a certain way. It's living in alignment with your truth and with that inner knowing, right? Acknowledge that all the reasons and all the excuses and all of the this, that, and the other thing come in the way and finding ways to live in alignment with the voice of the soul. So there's that. And there's also, I, I don't want to, um, I want to be very careful that it doesn't come across as a spiritual bypass kind of thing, because there are real traumas that happen in people's lives and that hijack the primal brain that keep us from doing certain things because in the past it hasn't been safe. So it's living big for me meant paying attention to the voice of the soul and continuing to return back to that place and being on purpose. You know, there's a lot of talk about purpose. We all have this shared purpose to remember who we truly are as love that we all came here to be embodied expressions of love, knowing itself. And then we have our individual nuance ways and paths of 
of how we show up in the world with that. Physically, how long did it take for you to recover from this? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, I still have to be kind of aware of certain things. I was in rehab. Then I had visiting nurses at the house and OTs and PTs that would come. Sounds like a few months. Well, at least a few months. I mean, even okay. now, you know, if I, if I'm doing too much yoga, I hyperextend my hip flexor, but yeah, it was, it's been, it was pretty intensive. I'm going to say for the first two years, really. You came back from this, a different person. Mm -hmm. How did that affect your relationships with people around you? Well, there's a part of me that was, you know, it's interesting. I, I would have these questionnaires to fill out, like, what are your preferences? What do you like? And I was a totally different person when I came back. So it took a little while to say, well, who am I now? What are my proclivities now? My family was extremely supportive. There are some places that I was almost uh, living my life as I was before, yet it no longer fit who I am now with this experience and this embodied experience of like, the ultimate capital R reality. I don't, I don't know how to answer that question other than to say that my, you know, what I'm drawn to and the vibrations that I resonate with now are different. Let me ask you a couple of specifics. For example, your daughters. So they're young adults at that point. Was your uh, relationship with them better or worse after this? I would say we were, we always had a very close relationship and better because, you know, A, we were all just happy that I was alive, right? Like they almost lost their mom. B, you could walk off the street and get hit by a truck tomorrow, literally. So living authentically and expressively and from the heart deepens relationships. So although we were always close and supportive, there's no, uh, like, there's more expression I would say now, like this authentic, deep conversation expression, right? There's no holding back in the expression of love and acknowledgement and understanding and compassion and accepting that everyone's on their spiritual path, everyone's on their soul path and allowing people to be who they are. Thank you for listening to part one of our discussion with Felice. Part two will be coming out later this week, and in it we'll hear more about how her life changed from her NDE, and we'll talk about the shared death experiences she had with her father and grandmother, and a whole bunch more. To be alerted as soon as part two is live, be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast, and click on over to roundtripdeath.com to sign up for our newsletter updates. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Thank you.